0: Well, good morning, New Springs Church. Again, uh, thank you, Gavin, for the reading. Um, I'm going to place this so I don't drop it. Excuse me for a moment. The reading of Nehemiah that Gavin just gave to us, I don't know of any passage of scripture that's any better to bring us into the story of God. From the beginning of time into creation, his covenants and his promises all on the way up until the prophet of Malachi, which we're going to be looking at this morning. If you have your Bibles, open your Bible to Malachi the prophet. We're going to look at chapter 1 this morning. I'll give you a second to get there. I asked Gavin to read this, though, because um, it sums us up to a specific point when Malachi is prophesying. We've got to do a lot of legwork to get to this very specific point in history, and it's really the context of Malachi's prophecy that has so much power Um, and reveals so much of God's nature, his being, and his character. Um, Malachi, though, if you know it, um, you may have your Bibles, he's the last prophet of the Old Testament. If you remember last week, though, we got to bring you up to speed to when he's prophesying. And so the the words of Nehemiah that Gavin has read is at a very particular time in Israel's history. And I'm going to bring you up to speed there. Now remember, we're considering the grand story of God from creation to finish and how we're brought into that story. Malachi is prophesying to Israel in exile. They are no longer in their promised land. Last week, we consider how Israel and all these promises of God, a promise of a seed of a woman who would crush the head of a serpent all the way in the garden, then funneling through to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all these promises, well, they seem to be realized under the Davidic kingdom. King David reigning, Israel prospering, dominion, flourishing. It seemed that these promises and this covenant and all this work of God was going to climax in David and Israel, but it doesn't. As the story goes, David, you may know his sin with Bathsheba, you may know the sin of Israel and its people at that time. Well, as a result of God's righteousness, His holiness, and the blessings and curses that result from sin, he judges Israel, and so Israel, as a nation and as a kingdom, is split. You got the northern kingdom of Israel, then you have a southern kingdom of Judah. There's tension in between. There's different kings. Well, again, according to God's judgment and His righteousness, He's going to do away with Israel. In 722 B.C., you got a Syria that comes in, takes Israel out of their land. Northern kingdom conquered. Well, then in 586 B.C., you have Judah, Jerusalem, and the temple the davidic kingdom the glory the fruitfulness the promises of god seeming to be hand and god dwelling with his people conquered 586 bc temple destroyed god's people promises of god done away with in exile again what is going to happen now with these promises this covenant promise to abraham your descendants will be great dominion rule i'm going to you'll be fruitful you'll multiply Fill and subdue the earth all the way to Genesis. What would God do with his creation, his people? Everything seemed to be at loss. Well, 400s BC, by God's providence, and according to his nature, his character, and his purposes, his love to uphold his glory, he brings Israel back into their land. Under Persian rule, though, they come into their land, they don't own it. They come again, and they're, going to, they're allowed to build that temple. Ezra and Nehemiah, the passage particularly that I had Gavin read this morning, is right at that time. They're coming in, the rebuilding of the temple, but so goes this. When they're rebuilding the temple, the worship and Israel's worship is back at it again. Israel's priesthood, their offerings and their sacrifices. And yet again, sin is plaguing Israel, God's people, and their priests. And so Malachi is raised up as a prophet in these last days, 400 or so years prior to Christ's coming to prepare God's people once again to behold his glory and behold his promises realized. Try to do the legwork to get you up to speed. That's where we're at with Malachi. So open with me if you can to Malachi chapter 1 as we consider the preparation. If you would, I'm going to pray and we're going to read again. Malachi chapter 1. Let's pray. Father God, I pray um, this morning that your glory, that your grace, and that your love, your very nature, your word would go forth to your people. Um, I thank you um, that I heard it, that I've heard these words of Malachi in my own heart, um, and you gave me life. And you saved me and delivered me and um, have produced in me all kinds of goodness and how I've become one of your chosen, one of your people. And here as a church at New Springs Church this morning, I pray for your people now that they would behold you again, your great grace and your love, that they would realize who they are as your people as you set your love for them and coming Emmanuel to us, Christ in the flesh, the very Son of God, God in the flesh. Father, there's so much glory to behold in these words. I pray that your word would go forth and that you'd prepare our hearts to hear your word right now this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Malachi chapter 1, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it out loud and you can just listen. God will speak to you um, and then we'll dissect it a little bit. Malachi chapter 1. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country, left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Edom says we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says they may build... But I will tear down, and they will be called the wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised when you offer blind animals and sacrifice. Is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor? Says the Lord of hosts. And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you? Says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name. And a pure offering, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is. You snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering? Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord of hosts? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Malachi's words to God's people to prepare them. We have to be honest as you hear these words this morning. It's pretty hard to hear. Don't you think? A little bit uncomfortable. I don't know if you've ever had a situation like this. Maybe you're at work or maybe you've seen a boss, for example, somebody with superior authority, um, ream out a coworker right in front of you. Have you ever seen that or participated in that? It's so uncomfortable, so hard. You're like, oh my goodness, I want to walk away. My wife will tell me stories about this in Target. She'll come to a family. There's a family there at Target, and there is a mother reaming out a child right in front of her. And my wife's like, oh my goodness, i got to get away. And she'll tell me this story, very uncomfortable. Just this week, a buddy of mine in the fire station was telling me about a captain and a chief going at it in the middle of a fire station about something that was pretty serious. And he felt so uncomfortable, he had to walk away. He didn't even, he didn't want to write a memo. Well, before you walk away from these words of God, this is exactly what God's doing to his people by the mouth of Malachi, before you walk away, though, I don't want you to take personal offense to it. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to see the crux of God's confrontation here, why he confronts his people, and it's all about God's love. This is the first point to consider, and I want you to draw your attention to Malachi chapter 1, verse 1. It's because of God's deep and abiding love that he gives this confrontation to prepare his people It's because he loves them. Look at Malachi chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Draw your attention there real quick. I'm going to read it again. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. The word oracle can be translated a little bit in the Hebrew more of like a burden. I don't know if it doesn't really convey as well, but it's a burden or kind of a load carrying of the word of the Lord. I have loved you, if you can feel that weight. The love here uh, of God that he's pointing to, it's very deep, it's abiding, it's steadfast, and it's rooted in God's very nature and character, him alone, his love. He points to that love too by answering Israel's question. Look at chapter verses 2 through 5 now. I'm going to Draw your attention here, but look at, he, he points to this now by answering Israel's questioning heart. Remember what they say? I have loved you, but you say, how have you loved us? He responds, verses 2 and 3. Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, and Esau I have hated. Can you, can you see what's happening here? He's pointing them all the way back to Jacob. Before Israel even had a name, you remember? Jacob strove with God. God changed his name. His promises were coming through him, changed his name to Israel. From him and from this man, God would then create his people, his nation. But yet God hears this. He said, I have loved you. I'm going to point you all the way back before you were even born or you even had a name. I am love. I have loved you. Think about this a little bit, though. You remember the story of Jacob and Esau, remember too? The promises of God, the story, Abraham's promise, their descendants will be like the stars of the heaven, blessings of land, God would dwell with his people, I'm going to rescue, I'm going to save you. Well, when you get to Jacob and Esau, Esau had that birthright, but yet yeah, he despised it. He despised those promises. Remember, he was tired, exhausted one day, he traded it for some stew. God points all the way back to there and says, hey, Jacob, I loved Remember what Esau did with me? I hated him. And more so, look at Esau's heritage now. There's no heritage. Edomites, they're gone. If they try and rebuild again, I will destroy them. But you have a heritage, Jacob. You're still here. Israel, you're still here. The love of God expressed in these words and in this confrontation of Malachi, it's a predetermined and resolved love. If you've ever carried a child, I think about my wife, four children, four children, Bless her soul. But as that child, before that child's even born, you love that child deeply. My wife is tear up thinking about this. You're praying, you're thinking, you're considering of a child before a child even has a name, and it's rooted in your love. This is the love of God for his people. It's attributed to his character and his nature. And the same token, the love of God here is a burden, load-carrying. If you've ever had a wayward child, Someone that ran away from you when you were his mother and his father. They ran. They shamed you. Evil to your name. They despised you, never called you. You love them still. This is God's love here. It's abiding, steadfast, load carrying enduring, long-suffering. I have loved you, says the Lord, before you even had a name. I love you. Listen again to some of these words in Nehemiah 9 that I had Gavin read this morning. And think of God's character, his work, and his love since creation. He made all of this. Everything that we see, listen. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it. The hosts of heaven worship you, God. Nehemiah 9.6 You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram, gave him the name Abraham. And made with him the covenant to give to his offspring the land. For you are righteous, and you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and made a name for yourself, and you divided the sea before them. You came down on Mount Sinai, you spoke with them from heaven, and gave them right rules and true laws by Moses. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously, refused to obey, not mindful of the wonders you performed. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. You did not forsake them. Nehemiah 9.22, you gave them a kingdom and peoples and allotted to them every corner. So they took possession of the land. You multiplied their children as stars of the heaven. You brought them into the land and you told their fathers to enter and possess it. David's kingdom. 9.30, Many years you bore with them and warned them by your spirit through your prophets, yet they would not hear. Therefore you gave them into the hand of a peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great mercies, you did not make an end of them or forsake them, for you are a gracious and merciful God. God did not forsake his people." God not make an end of them. And he grounds these hard words now, this mom and a child at Target, this coworker, blah, 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 blah. He grounds it, though, in his very love, unending love for his people. This is our first point. The story of God that we're considering from creation all the way to the end, it's rooted in God's love for his people. It's his story. It's his love. It's for his glory. And his love is deep. Taking, 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 because he is love, the very nature of it. And this morning, God would express to you right now, as he did me, even as I read this, I have loved you. I made you. Before you were born, I knew your name. What did we bring to the table when we were born as children? My little Layla's sleeping right there on lease right now. She brought nothing you brought nothing to the table, God loves you. He's always loved you. And if you hear his word right now, listen to this confrontation. Don't walk away. He loves you. He wants you to hear it. Draw your attention now. Malachi 1, 6 through 14. And let's look at God confronting his people. Don't walk away. I'm going to give it to you as God does. Malachi 1, 6 through 14. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised when you offer blind animals and sacrifices. Is that not evil? but you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is. You snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering? Shall I accept you that, that from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Can you feel the argument, the dispute? It's getting hotter. This is just Malachi 1. Keep reading. I wish that I could just read the whole book this morning. Notice the beginning though, 1.6. Where is my honor? A father gets more. Where is my fear? A master gets more. I am the Lord of hosts. You despise my name. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts. My name will be feared among the nations. What was Israel's? Can you begin to sense what's going on here? What was Israel's thought, though? What was their heart? What a weariness this worship is. I'm back in this temple. And to be honest, I kind of sympathize with Israel because we're just like them. But they're rebuilding this temple again. They got a, a, opposing people around them, like trying to attack them as they're rebuilding this temple, worship, what's happening back in this land, years. But look into their heart. It, they say, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of us keeping his charge or walking before the Lord or host? Can you sense it now? Israel's faithless spirits, faithless spirits. And what's God burdened by too? Can you hear that? His name. God's name is yet again held with no honor among his people. There's no fear even among his priests. They're despised by his bone people. God has no renown, no glory. His name, in fact, carries no weight, frivolous, no worship, and yet he's God over his people. He's God over all of creation. What is God to do if he be God? Israel's worship was reflective. Their despising his name was reflective in their worship. Common to ritual sacrifices, the Levitical laws, and all the cultic practices of the temple worship. Well, they were supposed to offer their best to God because God delivered them. God saved them. God named them. And he was present with them. He loved them. He was bringing them, protecting them. They were like this nomadic wilderness people, and yet God's protecting them all the time. They were to bring their best in their offering and their sacrifices, their best animals, their best food. You know what they were bringing? Yo, the sick and lame one. Yo, bring, bring that dirty one over here. Yeah, just, that, that'll, that'll do. Let's put that up on the altar right here. Yeah, that's great. You know what the priests were doing too? They were saying, yeah, it's okay. Whatever sick or lame one you got over there, you're supposed to be a spotless animal. Now just bring that sick, dirty one. Malachi 1.13, you bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick. This you bring as your offering, exclamation point. Shall I accept that from your hand? I'm good. And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept that? Imagine a president of the United States walking in somewhere. I told this with our guys group. What kind of response would you get? What would you give? Would you just throw it together? Like, this is what Israel is doing at this time. God says this, oh that there will one among you shut the darn doors. Shut that worship down. But the temple's still here. He wanted that temple to be built up. He wanted them back in that promised land. God's about to do something. He's preparing his people. He says this, I'm a great king, says the Lord of hosts, my name will be feared among the nations. Imagine this, you're invited, this is what's going on right now. Imagine you're invited, I was thinking of this, maybe Prince Harry's wedding, that was a big one, right? Or another wedding, you're invited, whole trip covered at your expense. You and your posse, I'm going to pay for everything. Prince Harry's like, yo, you go ahead, get the plane, first class, I'm going to pay for the whole trip. Then you come over to the wedding, I'll put you up in a castle, I'll give you feasts for months free of charge, you and your whole family. If we got this vacation, I'd be like, wow, this is amazing. Well, you get all that, right? You get there, and before you leave, you're like, "Man, thanks so much, so much for giving to you." Here's, here's a five dollar Starbucks gift card. There you go, man. Thanks, man. There you go. What, what, what is that? That's what's happening here. How about this? Imagine your child or someone you love. I'm a fire, a fireman, but imagine your child, someone you love, is rescued, saved from a drowning. They were dead you save them. Or a fireman saves your child, a family member, from a burning building. They were going to die. They go in saving you. Man, you're like, oh, I want to invite that fireman over to dinner. Come to dinner with me. Come over here. Let let me show you my thanks. And when they get there, you take a $5 Starbucks gift card, but now you've already bought a coffee. You got about a dollar left, a dollar or two cents left on it. You wrap that bad boy up in some reused Wrapping paper, then you're like, "You know what, we want to g- here's the gift we've given you. Then you know what? I'll let me give you food, let me cook for you." And you go to the fridge and you bust out some leftover pizza you had yesterday, and you put before the guy who saved your child a slice of pizza that has three bites already taken out of it. You're like, "Here you go. That, that's it. That's what's happening. Reuse leftover animals in this sacrifice. Where is my honor? Where is my worship? Where is my fear, reverence, awe? And God is shouting this to his people through the prophet Malachi in preparation for what he's about to do. And he loves them. His purpose too, he wants them to bring repentance. He's gracious, full of mercy. Turn from that sin again. Malachi 3.6, For the Lord... For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, before you were born, you're not consumed. From the days of your father, you have turned aside from my statutes, have not kept kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. Oh, what grace and love still in Malachi's hard confrontation. God loves them. If I'm honest this morning, I had a hard time preparing for this because um, as you can hear from the prophet's words, it's not easy. You can't dismiss God's word. And I, I wanted to hold it in its context, but I wanted to just... I would much rather read the whole book of Malachi and let God have at us. Let him deal with us according to his word. This morning, though, God would have you hear this confrontation he would have you hear his words and readily consider the outcome of your life and your worship again. According to 1 Peter chapter 2, the church and we that believe in Christ were the chosen people. were his chosen treasured possession, a royal priesthood that we might proclaim the excellencies of him. Man, that's hard. To apply this sermon, I think you really got to look at the, your heart, your personal heart and motivation and relationship to God. Is God's name despised by you? You may say, no, 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 no not. But just like Israel, what does the worship then look like? Do you barely wake up maybe to come to church? I'm going to pull it together, get over here to church maybe, or... What's it look like when you read your Bible? This is why it was uncomfortable for me. Do you fall asleep reading the Bible? Fall asleep praying? What's your life look like, too? All facets of life. God gave you your life. What's your TV look like? What's your social media look like? What's the time that you spent? What do you talk about? Uh, What do your relationships look like? What does your money look like? What do you give to? What do you devote your energy to? What is all all of this? Romans 12 would say this, that our spiritual worship is to present our bodies as a sacrifice. Bless that little guy out there. God loves him. That's like all of us. (laughs) That's all of us. God would say this, our spiritual worship to him is to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to him, holy and pleasing, that we would not be conformed to this world, but we would discern what the will of God is, offer everything, our entire life to him. John Piper says this, this is a various, very serious act of treason. When you love other things more than you love God. If we're honest though, all of us, including me, every one of us, we fall asleep when we're praying, we come to church halfway hazard, we spend more time and energy and we love the gifts and all the blessings God gives us more than we love God. We're all like Israel, including me. We're like sheep who go astray. We've dismissed God many times in past, we'll dismiss him again and we would dismiss him in the future and still... It is a matter of fact that God, in His love, in accord with His purposes, His story, His grace and character, His great name, He would confront us and prepare us every day to behold Him again and His love. The second point of the story of God is His story is all about our lack of honor, our lack of honor for Him our lack of caring about his name, caring about his glory. We bring, you bring, the priest then brought absolutely nothing to God. Our righteousness is like filthy rags. And if we're honest with our own hearts and souls, we fail miserably to love God and to love people. We want to pursue our own endeavors. We strive to our own efforts. We're glory thieves, all of us. Second point, yet this, though, his story, his love, it's for us. It's still for us. He is unchanging, and it's for us to restore our good, our eternal life, and to restore his glory and our glory when he might us in the image and likeness of him. God's going God's to gonna make it happen. As we close, I've got nothing but good news to give to you now, and I've been waiting to get here. I was like, oh, i got to go through this. Let's take it through Malachi and Har. But mine, I've been waiting to get to this good news. It's really what I've been waiting to. If you've listened to these words of God this morning, God himself would confront you, but, oh, his love is deep. Like a child unborn, he's so full of love. It's his very being. He wants you, though. He does not want you to determine to change. I'm going to change my worship. You can't read your Bible better. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray better. I'm going to try and pull this worship together with all vigor. Show up to church earlier. Serve better. No, he does not want that. He wants you to behold him. He wanted his people then to behold him, fulfilling his promises, his covenants, his love, all the way back from creation. I want you to behold him. Hence, Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. He's preparing. Malachi is preparing God's people for the day. Malachi uses this word in his in his, in his prophecy, behold, multiple times. Listen, Malachi 3:1. Behold, I send my messenger, he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. That's Malachi 4.5. Malachi 1.14, for I am a great king says the lord of hosts my name will be feared among the nations malachi 3:16 in the day when i make up my treasured possession i will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him his son i love him i will spare them i will save them behold i'm going to come to my temple The grace and good news of the gospel in Malachi is that God's preparing his people to behold God. Behold him coming to his temple. And he's the Lord of hosts. He's the great king. He would come and a messenger would go before him, one like Elijah, to turn the hearts, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Gosh, have you ever thought of John the Baptist? Good thing John the Baptist maybe showed up right before Jesus. Lest the earth be destroyed, I'm going to send my messenger and I'm going to come. I love you. I'm going to save you. God did indeed send his messenger, John the Baptist, 2,000 years ago. He was one like Elijah. He came to the promised land. His people were waiting for him. The temple was rebuilt. God's dwelling with his people. A kingdom would be had. And John the Baptist shows up and he preaches the same message as Malachi. Repent of your sins. Turn. There's one coming after me who's mightier than I. Turn. Behold him. Christ's first words, I think, in Mark, repent for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. And oh yeah, the great king, you now know, the Lord of hosts, whose name will be great among the nations, Christ would come down from heaven. He would enter his temple. He would die as the spotless sacrificial lamb. He would become the high priest to offer pure and glorious worship. He would then lead a host of captives free, give gifts to men, and then give his spirit to his people dwelling with him. Jesus Christ is his name. There is no end to God in his great name. He has enacted his story, and through the prophet Malachi, he prepared his people, and he'll prepare you again today. This morning, all the believers in Christ and God, by his power, his spirit, God is still at work unfolding his story for his glory. We're here because of his work it's so magnificent. It's His story. It's His glory. It's amazing. I'm going to read John 1, 6 through 18. I'm going to read Hebrews 1, 4. Just listen. Just listen now. Listen to this beginning of this gospel power. beginning of this good news, beginning, right here. John 1, chapter 1, verse 6 through 18. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. "'Nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. "'And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, "'and we have seen His glory, "'glory as of the only Son from the Father, "'full of grace and truth.'" John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Hebrews chapter 1. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. His name, his glory, his love, his story. He is God with us. Jesus Christ fills all things I can't even unfold that mystery fully. It blows my mind. This morning, though, if you heard this word, you think about your sin, you think about Christ when he came and dwelt among us, came to die, to pay for our sins, took the penalty of our sin, our separation from God. He took it all upon his house, suffered and died on a cross as that spotless, sacrificial lamb in our place. He took God's wrath for us because of our sin. That is the greatest news. And he rose from the dead to bring us with him, to offer us his eternal life, new life, to restore the Garden of Eden. God then dwelling with his people again, restoring their glory, righteousness produced in us, in the church. I can't, I can't, I can't go anymore. Behold, Jesus is the Christ. Repent of your sin. Believe in him And his unending, unchanging, resolved love for you, abiding, predetermined, set election for you. He loves you. He came to this earth for you. That is the best news. He loves you. Let's pray. Lord Christ, as we consider... um, as we consider you, Jesus, as you came, like David, though, you came lowly. David, as a king, was just a shepherd boy, and yet you, Jesus, you came and took on flesh. You humbled yourself, became the point obedient to the point of dying on a cross. You were lowly, born in a manger, but just like David was reigning and exalting as a king, in a land that he possessed and had that glory. Christ, you have all the glory. You are the very image of God. You are God for us. You've done everything for us. I pray right now this morning that we would behold you, that your church would consider you Jesus. Jesus, your name, and not dismiss your name, not think frivolously about your name, but think about your name. Jesus, behold the power of the glory, the very image of you, God, all of creation uphold by your word, all the universe, Jesus. Thank you so much for the grace given to me that you gave me life. Give life to your church, give life to your people by your amazing good news for your glory. We praise you, we worship you, thank you, amen.